Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Alicia Lee. Alicia is a GI physician's assistant, wife to our kids pastor, Dustin, and mom to five. Today, Alicia is here to talk through the question, how do you know when you're ready to have kids? So welcome, Alicia. Hello. (laughs) So glad you're here today. So let's just start off broad. (laughs) Tell us about your journey to motherhood. Um, Well, as I just told you, I was thinking about this on the way here and I thought, I think I'm an accidental mom um, (laughs) in the sense of like, I definitely never wanted five kids. Yeah. Never. Only crazy people have five kids. I'm confident. Um, <laughs> you but, can say that now more assuredly. Yes, you have five. absolutely. Um, you know, Dustin's a kid's pastor, and he's always felt a calling to working with children, working with youth. He worked for a year in an orphanage in Mexico um, before we even got married. And so when we met, we never had like a conversation about it. I think we just knew um, we were going to have children at some point, but mm-hmm. we did talk about adoption. We both felt very strongly about the orphan crisis and adoption. And uh, we got married young, though. I was 21 and he was 23. Um, and we had no money, like zero money, <laughs> like no money to buy. You know, I mean, like everything, we had no money. Mm-hmm. So um, we obviously, you know, waited a little while um, in terms of, beginning the journey to parenthood. And then I guess I was probably 24. I had finished PA school. I think like a lot of women, I started thinking like, okay, I'm 24. Maybe should I have kids? Should we, should we start trying to have kids? And then my friends started having kids. Uh And that's really when you're like, oh, my friend so-and-so is suddenly mature enough to be a mom. Like I can do it. They can do it. I can do it. Yeah. And, um, I I don't even, I know that sounds so silly. I don't think we had a conversation until probably then. And I was like, and at that point, we actually had a youth living with us. Um, He wasn't technically in the foster care system, but Mm -hmm. he was in high school. His mom was unable to care for him. He was in a pretty gruff situation. And so he lived with us Mm -hmm. in our little bitty parsonage on the church property. Um, And we, I think, had naturally kind of parented him a little bit. And I think that also helped us see like, okay, I think we're ready. I think we want to do this. Um, and so, yeah, I was 24 when uh, we got pregnant with Lucas. It took about a year though. Uh, so, you know, just because you make that decision, like on a, mm-hmm. on a whim, you're like, okay, we're ready. To have-. It doesn't pregnant mean it just like, happens. No. Yeah. yeah. So it took a minute. Yeah. Okay. So you had Lucas first and then how long until you're next? So Lucas um, was the easiest baby on the planet. He was like the trick of a lifetime because he was so easy. He slept through the night at six weeks. He was just this perfect little angel baby. And I have always wanted to have my kids close in age. My Mm -hmm. sister and I were four years apart. Dustin and his brother were seven years apart. And so I was always like, I want them to be like really close in age so they can be best friends. And we were literally a year in and we were like, this is a walk in the park. Like this kid is is so easy. This is fine. He's sleeping. And so we have started to, you know, try to have Micah and she came. And about the time she came, Lucas started walking 
and running and saying no <laughs> and getting out of his bed at night and became this incredibly strong little toddler. And I thought, oh boy, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> yeah. And then Mike had never slept, you know, so it was a trick for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. And then after that, y'all adopted two. We did. So there's a little bit of time in there. We had two under two. But I, I still to this day believe it was the best because they are just the best of friends. And it's really hard at first because mm -hmm. you're just so tired. But it is really sweet watching them have each other and just grow up, you know, together. Mm -hmm. And we were, I would say, so Tucker came. Yeah, so Micah was still, I mean, she was little. I was working nights in a trauma ER in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana. I'd, I'd do like three nights in a row and then I'd flip off and be with the kids the rest of the week was kind of what we did. <clears throat> and so during that time, I started to really question my pro-life beliefs mm -hmm. and the sense of when you're working nights in a big city, you see what happens with these kids and these women in these very vulnerable situations. And it suddenly wasn't as easy as it once had been for me. It was very easy, like vote pro-life always pro-life. And then the Lord began to just open my eyes to, well, what happens with these women and children? And so I would go home and have conversations with Dustin of like, we have to do something. Like we can't just <laughs> vote, you know, one way or say we believe one way and then not do anything for these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was just a process. And around that time, um, you know, I don't know if y'all remember, Matthew West released a song and it was like um, basically the premise of, well, God, why is it this way? And the Lord responds and says, well, I made you. I made you for this, for such mm -hmm. a time as this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And our church was working through that whole thought process and we just began to pray about it. And we both very clearly felt a calling to adoption, a calling to foster care, however that was going to look. And we didn't want to wait until our kids were, quote unquote, like old enough or out of the house or whatever. We wanted them to grow up with this other sibling in the same way mm -hmm. so that they could kind of have this bond. So we had a boy and a girl, um, two under two, and our parents looked at us like we were nuts, um, but we felt like it was the moment. We were like, we're going to just you know, walk forward and grow our family in adoption. And we're going to do it now so that they can grow up together. Mm -hmm. um, and it was definitely, we took a lot of uh, criticism for that in a lot of ways. You know, people were like, well, you have the perfect, you have a boy and a girl, like you're done. And mm -hmm. just wasn't what the Lord had for us. And we could not get a piece outside of his will. Um, and so we stepped forward into foster care and our very first placement came uh, November 2015, and Micah was, yeah, she was born June 2014. So she literally wow. was like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And we, and Tucker came to our door, um, this little baby four-pound, uh, little African-American baby boy. I, You know, people ask that too. That's a question we get asked often. We, we did not specify race. It honestly didn't really, like, cross our mind one way or the other. I don't think we... I know that sounds so silly. We just said yes. Our yes is on the table, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and they, we just said younger. We wanted to go in birth order. So mm -hmm. it would feel more like a natural mm -hmm. kind of family. Progression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So he came and he uh, stayed. And two years later, we adopted him. And so we had three under three for <laughs> for a while. And it was wild. But I'll tell you this. Um, they they know no different. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally thought for the longest time that babies just came to your door. And <laughs> I love they, that. I mean, they've been together as long as their memory has. Mm-hmm. So that's all they know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so there's never been this issue of like, well, how, how is it including him? And how is it? It's just all that they've known. Um, and it was really hard at the beginning. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, three in diapers is no joke. But I do believe the sacrifice on the front end is worth it because now they're just thick as thieves. You're seeing the fruits of that. Absolutely. Okay. And then what about your last two? <laughs> I know. You make it so it's going rapid fire. and But... It felt kind of like that in real life. But um, so I guess after Tucker, I sometime up in there, we still just felt like we wanted a fourth. We were like, we want to have a big family. My sister's now deceased. Um, I deeply dislike being an only child now. And I I just wanted my kids to have this ingrained support system Mm -hmm. in a way as an adult, you know. Um, And... Dustin and I talked about having a fourth, and so we did not prevent biologically from having one. Uh, It just never happened Mm -hmm. for like two years. Um, So Tucker came in 2015, and then in 2019, all that time, roughly up in there, um, we never prevented, but we never felt like we needed to go seek medical help Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Just that wasn't the path that we had been led. Um, And we were praying, and I told the Lord, I'm never doing it again. I'm never doing foster care again. It's too hard. Um, it takes all the control out of your life. <laughs> You're at the mercy of a very inefficient system. And it's just too draining. I'm, I'm never doing it. And mm-hmm. then, let me tell you, when you tell the Lord what you're never going to do, he's going to watch you never do it again. Like <laughs> He's going to be like, yeah, here you go. So okay. <laughs> um, he began just, I began to wrestle with God. Like, there was no doubt. It was a spiritual wrestling. Mm. I could just sense he wanted us to go back into foster care. And I was determined that my answer was going to be no. Mm-hmm. Like I had given all I could give. Um, and I'll just be honest. It was a time of like deep spiritual growth um, of just really wrestling and praying through my will is not aligned to the Lord's will. And this is disobedience. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to walk forward in disobedience, but I can't surrender yet and say yes, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, Dustin was already like, I think we're going to adopt again. I think that's what we should do. And uh, I just ignored him. <laughs> Very, and we just you know, kept working through that. And then eventually, um, one day, the Lord just clear as day um, spoke to me and was like, I was you know, just reading the story of Moses and how he continues to tell the Lord, excuse after excuse. And I, the Lord just clear as day as reading that passage was like, you're out of excuses. Mm. Like there are no more excuses. And at this point I knew I was just living in disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told Dustin, I said, I think we should call our caseworker and start to reopen and go through the process. We'd closed our home officially. So we made that phone call, started the process. I mean, we were seven or eight days in. 
And our caseworker from Tucker calls and says, hey, we have a seven-year-old African-American boy. Um, he, no one has taken him home yet, and he likely will be adopted. You know, the situation that is occurring, he will likely be adopted. We know you already have an African-American boy. Would you be willing to take him? And uh, by the way, you have to let us know by tomorrow at three o'clock. Yeah. We're going to discharge him from the hospital. And so I was like, so we prayed and we called our closest friends. And I was like, is this crazy? This is the craziest thing we've ever, can you believe this? And, you know, they all just, our community group um, at our church just rallied around us. And they were like, the Lord's already done the work in your heart. Your yes is there on the table. We will help you figure out the logistics, which were so many, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just, I'm a physician assistant and I was already signed up for all these shifts. I can't just be like, hey, I'm going to be out for the next six weeks. And we didn't have diapers. We didn't have clothes. We didn't have any of that. Like I had given all that away, determined I was done with it. <laughs> and um, they just really rallied around us and brought us meals. Um, I can remember good friends of mine who he's a realtor. He would go sit in the hospital room with Elijah. Cause once he came home, he actually had to go back to the hospital for about a week and he would work from the hospital room while I was like working my actual job and Dustin was working his actual job. And, you know, we all just kind of co-parented the first few weeks until we figured out childcare and mm-hmm. what we were going to do. Cause they can't go to daycare. Like there's, and then the Lord just provided through the church and mm-hmm. the church took care of us and helped us to bring Elijah home. And, uh, Two years later, he was adopted. It's a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. It really is. We couldn't have done it because, um, you know, and and that's the thing. When you have your yes on the table, the Lord takes care of details that you can't figure out, Mm -hmm. you know, and the world looks at you like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, well, why would you do this? You don't have this ready, this ready, this ready. My boss, I remember being like, I'm sorry, you did what? And I was like, well, we have a foster care placement (sighs) and he's coming tomorrow. (laughs) But... Um, the church just rallied and took care of us. And then what about your last? <laughs> so we were done. We were so done. Mm-hmm. Um, we He was born in 2019. Yeah. So it was 2020. And we knew we were done having our family. We felt a piece about that. Well, then we were like, hey, everybody's about to be potty trained. We're going to finalize this adoption in 2021. Mm-hmm. Everything's ready to go. Let's get the kids a puppy for Christmas. That'll be so fun. So we're ready to finally finish the family with a puppy, right? So we get a puppy for Christmas and literally we are giving them the puppy Christmas Eve night. I'm like taking the puppy outside to potty and I started to feel like I was going to pass out. I'd only ever had that twice before in my life. And I knew immediately I was like, oh no, oh no. And so long story short, the next day I knew for sure. I was just like, this has got to be what this is. I feel so sick. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. And here's the puppy. Now we can't take the puppy back. We don't have anything else to give the kids. What are we going to do? And I took a test like two days later when the stores opened or whatever. And Dustin finally believed me at that point when I had like proof. Did you tell him you were starting to feel it? I told him and he didn't believe me. He was like, no. And he's like, we've gone years, Alicia. Like, you have to realize at this point, we'd gone years, 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 years. And we just had a piece about it because we had adopted these two boys. Mm -hmm. We never really went and sought like medical care to try to figure it out. We just kind of felt like this is the way that our family is supposed to be. Which is all just a reminder that that was the Lord's timing of you having the kid you needed at the time you needed. Right. 
Right. And so um, I know that to other people listening to this, they might think, well, why did you not go find out like what's going on? But you have to realize when you've added four kids in like six years, you're just, <laughs> you don't think about it, you know? So long story short, uh, she was a surprise. And I'll be completely honest. I was, I think devastated is probably the right word. I mean, I was devastated because it was like, what are we going to do? You know, like it changes your, your vehicle. It changes your ideas of vacation. It changes your financial thought situation. It changes everything in your life because a family of six to family of seven, I know now to me doesn't seem that big of a deal, but then it just felt mm-hmm. like this huge deal. And how old was your youngest at that point? Um, yeah, they're like two years apart, something like that. Yeah. So he was already about to be potty trained and, you know, we'd added that lovely dog and that's not potty trained. That's not potty trained. And I think to, you have a plan in your mind, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was thinking about this, um, because it's embarrassing to say that in a way you don't want, you don't want to sound like, Oh, I didn't want her because you have to know like two years before I wanted the opposite, right? Like I wanted a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in motherhood, there's so many times where it just shakes your world. And whether that looks like you want a baby and you can't have one in the exact time that you want, or you find yourself in my shoes where you have an unexpected added child or an unexpected pregnancy because your whole world is just rocked, you mm-hmm. know? And you have to go into it with your hands open of like, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to look, but you're in charge. And at that point, he had already seen me through two adoptions, and I knew that he was going to take care of it. It's just it took my heart a little while to come around to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Psalms 127 says, you know, children are a heritage from the Lord, and like arrows in the hand of a warrior and blessed is the one who has many in his hand. But our world tells you the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Our world says you need to be able to give your kids this and, and this big vacation and you need to give them this big house and you need to give them all these things. And you also have to have a career and you have to take care of them all in this way. And at some point you have to recognize my life's not going to look like the world's, mm-hmm. Right. And when the Lord gave us a bigger family, it definitely is not going to look just like the world's. And it doesn't mean that it's less. It's Mm -hmm. so full of joy and so full of fun. And yeah, a lot of chaos at times. But now I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine life without her. She's just sunshine Mm -hmm. in every way. So So how did you, I mean, looking back, like starting from the beginning with how did you know it was time? It seems like the Lord just kind of had been working on your heart through some different things. Is that yeah feel accurate? I think for the first one, it was kind of obvious of like we could finally afford to feed ourselves <laughs> and afford a you know a roof over our heads. Um, I do think we often make the mistake again looking at Instagram and social media of looking at other people's lives of thinking like I have to have you know the three thousand square foot house that's perfectly decorated and I've got to have the big SUV and I need to have all my stocks and bonds and all these things. And that's just not reality for most Mm -hmm. people. Um, And I think that if you go into parenthood with this idea of like, if I have every single thing under control and ready and I've met the standards, then I'm ready. Well, then you're going to be shocked to find out 
when you have a baby, most of it's not in your control. You know, mm-hmm. this little person, they do what they want. And I think that we have to be really careful to weigh the biblical um, understanding that God made the family before he even made the church, that he's very clear that children are a gift from the Lord, mm. um, and that he gave a command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And we have to weigh that against what the world says of the more kids you have, the less um, materialism things that you can have. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to, if there's a heart issue there for sure. Um, so we did wait though until we had like obviously our basics that mm-hmm. we could do and mm-hmm. I had finished graduate school. I think there's wisdom in that. Um, but yeah, I was 35 when I had Carolina. Um, so I guess it worked out in the end because I'd waited too much longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's like you talked about with the comparison game, it's everywhere, especially all over social media. So I'm pregnant now. And uh, one thing, like even just scrolling through Instagram, I'll, these posts will pop up. Hey, if you're pregnant, do this. If you're pregnant, don't do this. And I just immediately will see it and just skip it because it's not worth it. And everybody, I feel like, is so strong in their opinions that you have to go back to, which not even back to, but just you have to get to where am I at with the Lord? What is he calling me to next? With you, it was very clear that he was calling you next to adoption through these different processes, um, that he had a fifth kid for you. Like he's, he's going to make it happen. And in some cases he may have to work on your heart a little bit more. Oh yeah. And in some cases you may be like, okay, great. That sounds fun. And then you get tricked and they stop sleeping. That is true. Yeah. And I think too, your marriage is, um, a component in that because, Anytime you add a child, whether it's the first or the fifth, at least in our experience, there is a period of intense, you know, just kind of stress and growth, right? Mm -hmm. Like for one, you're both sleep deprived. Um, Possibly one of you is very hormonal, (laughs) Um, you know, and not being super rational in your decisions and your thoughts and your words. Um, And I, I guess I would say one thing that I think is really important is to know that your marriage is in a place where you're in community, um, you're walking with the Lord, you're working through and communicating through your differences. Because if you're in a season where you have this really hard thing in your marriage and you're still trying to figure out how to work through it and how to get to the other side, um, I think I think when we think to ourselves, well, if I have a baby, you know, maybe it will kind of help fix this. A lot of times it adds a lot of stress um, to the situation. And so I would say, um, you know, we've all been there. If you're working through something really hard um, before the baby comes, I would try to, you know, get counseling, work on the communication, get get into a uh, body of believers who can support you through it and just trying to do that work because a baby will always highlight the selfishness in your life. Always whether it's the first or the fifth, every single one of them has caused us to have to go, whoa, okay, I've got to give of myself a little bit more here. Mm, It's a good reminder. Uh, Well, as we kind of wrap up today, is there any other advice that you would give to a couple considering growing a family? I know you've mentioned get your marriage in check, get in community, um, but anything else to add or share from things you've learned? I think what you said was really on point. <laughs> There's so much information now. Um, I think figuring out 
you as a mom and saying, okay, Lord, um, this is the way that you've made me. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that I'm made. And you've given me this child for a reason. So great example. I hate crafts. I think they're of the devil. But if you look on Instagram, right, like all good moms, crafts. we're like going to make crafts. We're going to have Christmas crafts. We're going to hang things. We're going to do Listen, I've tried that because I was like, I got to do this because I want my kids to have these great memories of me doing crafts with them. And then it ends up with me frustrated and mad and angry with them and vice versa because I hate the whole activity. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've learned like I enjoy being outdoors. I enjoy reading books like we're going to pick things that I also can enjoy Mm -hmm. and stop comparing myself to trying to meet the standards of women that are made very differently than me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, you know, and I think that having just a few close friends that you say, Hey, well, what about this situation? What would you do? What'd your baby do when this happened? Instead of Googling and getting like all these big, scary answers. Yes. Well, and that's one thing you see is everything is life or death and it's both sides. And you're like, okay, wait, hold on. How did we get here? But back to that, I think that's the other thing is God gave you the kids you needed. But on the other side of that, he gave your kids the mom that they needed. And so your yeah. strengths and weaknesses are going to be beneficial to your kid. Just because it's not crafts doesn't mean that your kid needed a mom with crafts because the Lord would have given your kid a mom that does crafts if that's what they needed. And so being able to remind yourself to like, okay, the Lord gave my kids me and I'm going to live into that. I think yeah. it's important too. Yeah, it's very stretching. You know, I have I have one child who's extremely sensitive um, and I'm the opposite. And so I also have to ask the Lord, okay, I'm not made like this, but I need you to help grow me to mm-hmm. be more empathetic and kind uh, to this particular sensitive child because um, they need me to be. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all a growth process, I think. And comparison only hinders that because mm-hmm. it adds stress. And it sucks the joy out of your life. Mm, It's a good reminder. Well, thank you so much for sharing kind of about your motherhood journey and just insight that you've learned, um, encouragement to other potential future moms and current moms. Um, Before you go, we've got two questions we ask all of our (laughs) listeners. What is something you're learning and what is something you're loving? Oh, man. Okay, so loving. Okay, I don't like winter, but I do enjoy every night. We had our fireplace going and we have a Sprite Zero. I know it sounds really silly, but Dustin and I will end our night in front of the fire with a Sprite Zero. Um, sometimes we'll watch The Crown, um, you know, just hanging out in those cold winter nights. I enjoy that. Um, something I'm learning, um, we work hard for family devotion with our kids to try to make that an ongoing practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that every season it's going to look a little different. So we found one this year that I really like by uh, Clay Clarkson called 24 Family Ways. And it's worked really well for our age gap of kids um, because it's like a simple question and a little bit of activity. It takes five or 10 minutes at dinner. But I'm learning that it doesn't have to look a certain way to be quality and be good, right? You have to match it to your family and their needs. Mm-hmm. So in their season. Yeah. And their season. That's good. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.